Hello, and you're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. And right now, I got a question for you. Okay. The last couple of times together, we've been talking about real men and real women. Mm -hmm. And of course, this has prompted a lot of discussions with everyone I know, because they're going, hey, I heard that, and I want to ask you this. Mm -hmm. And ironically, came across a woman named Shalene Bryan, Mm -hmm. and she has a website, loveskipjump.com. She's talking to women about women, what they think, what God's asking. I mean, this is cool. She's a Christian woman. So let me put that out there. Mm -hmm. Right. So she's struggling with her who said so, God, and what God's asking to do. And she keeps asking women this question. And the question is this. When did lifestyle, when did comfort, when did success become the most important thing? Great question. Absolutely great question, because that leads directly into what we've been talking about in in Titus chapter 2. So let's go there right after I pray. Lord, we do thank you so much for the fact that you have clearly, clearly, clearly provided how we are to be living our life. You've invited us to this abundant life. You've provided it for us, and we turn our nose up at it. Lord, I pray that we will pay attention to what you're saying so that our life can take on a totally different flavor in your precious name. Amen. Amen. When did lifestyle, when did comfort, when did success become most important? Well, I'm sorry. I've heard you say many, many times that a man's job for his wife is to protect, provide, and preserve. Correct. Can I not translate that into lifestyle, success, and comfort? Well, too often that's true. I mean, in fact, I have counseled with couples that the man will be sitting there and actually be saying things like, I'm going to make my wife work because I'm not wanting to share all the, the financial responsibility and all the financial load. That's his job, the way I look at it. The way, and, and of course, you're going to call me old-fashioned and all this other stuff, but God's Word in Titus chapter 2 specifically talks about the younger woman to being taught to be a homemaker. Now, what in the world does that mean? That means to be busy at home. That's really what it boils down to. That's some of the translations talk about that. Yeah, but I can already hear it. There's a lot of women saying busy at home. You're telling me barefoot and pregnant and we're going to fight. That's exactly right. That's how most people would think about that. Here's the bigger and more important issue. If God is saying something about busy at home or be a homemaker, what in the world is he asking us to do? Well, I really do believe that it has more to do with attitude rather than location, meaning if I'm at home or if I'm at work. It has a lot more to do with attitude. So let me be clear. You're not saying just be a mom. I I would prefer that. That is the way that my home has been run. That's That's the lifestyle that I have come up in, my family system and those type of things. Yes, I'd prefer that because I do believe that gives you a better chance to fulfill both of your roles correctly. But it doesn't mean it's the answer because an attitude of a working mother can be good and be beneficial to the home. And I can I can quote you some uh, research on that. In fact, let me just do that right now. Let me give you a, a very interesting, simple little study that Dr. Roger Webb, professor of psychology, did at the University of Arkansas Little Rock in 1986, and he came out with these four things, the effect that working mothers have on children. Now listen to this. He says that the worst 
situation is a mother that chooses to work but does not have to. That's the worst effect on a child. Now, just think about this. A child is sitting there at home. The mother is going off to work. She doesn't have to do that, and she's giving this message basically to the child, work is more important than you. That's, that's really how he was saying that's the worst thing. The second worst, the second worst situation is a mother is at home but doesn't want to be there. Now, again, here's a mother that is here at home and she's giving this attitude to the kids of, uh, well, I don't want to be here with you. You're just a snotty nose or a diaper or I'm just having to take care of you and I'm not, not being able to fulfill the type of career and aspirations that I've always wanted to have. That's the second worst. I'm stuck and it's your fault. Uh, that's right. I'm stuck and it's your fault. That's right. Now, the best is this. The mother chooses to be at home. The mother chooses, I want to be here. This is what is going to be best for the family, best for the children, best for me is literally maybe what she's saying. The second best, now listen to this, this is the reason why I'm not saying you've got to be home. The second best is a mother has to work, but children know she wants to be at home. She's got to go to work. In order to put food on the table between she and and her husband, they can't make enough in order to uh, provide for the family. So she wants to be at home, but she can't be because of the uh, requirements, the income requirements, which brings us back to that very question that you're talking about, right? Because literally, that is the bigger question that too many people don't want to sit down and take time to answer. Am I doing this? Having this second income simply to be busy with a lifestyle, or am I doing this because I really, really have to because it's, it's just imperative that we do it? That's a very important question to be asking. Am I busy about the lifestyle? That's what too many people are doing. Too much of the time we're trying to support a lifestyle rather than just doing what's right. That's a big difference. Okay, now this supports or assumes a husband and a wife. Mm -hmm. What if I'm a single parent? That fits perfectly into that second statement of the second best. She wants to be at home, but she can't be because got to pay for the food. Okay, if it was ideally that, if it was ideally that, I wish I could be at home with you. I wish your father and I were still married, but I've got to go provide for us. I came from a broken home. I was surrounded by broken homes. And it was one or both of the parents was a victim of the other's behavior. Mm -hmm. And we're in survival mode because this person did this to me, blah, 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 blah. And the role model we got were victims and entitlement. Right. And that's too often what happens there. What happens is a, a father and a mother or a husband and a wife in that type of situation, both are doing the problem. And remember what the problem is. They're making it all about themselves. And therefore, they're blaming the way that life is going on each other because they're not happy. And that's actually what's going on with this research of Dr. Roger Webb. If a woman is sitting there flashing her me and she's going off to work but doesn't really have to, it's all about her. It has little to do with the children. It's all about her being able to fulfill a career or aspiration that she had as opposed to just being the mother that God has asked her to be. So those are true me flashing moments to say the least. So in that then lifestyle can be an attitude. It is an attitude in my mind. 
if you have the attitude that things are more important than the family, that's what's going to end up driving a lot of this working. So let me be clear on this. When you say when things are more important than the family, that is the family such as it is. Reality. Yes, it's just the three of us, or yes, it's just the two of us. That's reality. This is most important. How do we protect, provide, and preserve that relationship? Right. In fact, if you go and see many, many, many of the stories, and I can think about it from my viewpoint, too. I came up in a very uh, poor family, and I don't have bad memories of that. I have lots of memories about being being there with my mother and, and uh, my siblings and all that type of stuff. I don't have I don't have any any thoughts until much later in life to be going, oh, I missed out on some of those things that some people had, but I didn't have. I didn't even think about that. Kids can get over these type of things. It's not, it's <laughs> and, not all that important. And we don't realize that. We're actually flexible. So get your pencils ready with the time we have left as we're discussing. I really want you to contact us. You can find us and like us on Facebook, maybe post a comment. But the truth is we appreciate your cards and your letters, your prayers and your support. And you can do that at Great Relationships, Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Again, that is Great Relationships, Post Office Box Five one eight three six Midland, Texas, 79710. And if you missed that, then go to our website, greatrelationships.com, grnumeratrelationships.com. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. If you use your past for illumination, your future is bright. If you use your past for contamination, your future is bleak. Virginia Satir. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You know how you're always praying for a sign from God? That you're meant to go to seminary? This is your sign. Seriously, I'm here to tell you about Grace. Grace School of Theology. It's free grace based. The professors are world class. It's accredited, accessible, attainable, and oh yes, it's affordable. You can even complete your entire degree online, which means you don't have to move. Wouldn't it be great to have a deeper knowledge of the Word of God? Write this down, www.gsot.edu, gsot.edu, or call 877-476-8674, 877-476-8674. Now get going, now! Welcome back. Great Relationships, the website, grnumeral8relationships.com. You want to drop us something, write that to info at greatrelationships.com. That's grnumeral8relationships.com. And as long as I'm giving contact information, before the break, we were talking about this amazing woman, Shalene Bryan. She has a website, loveskipjump.com. I'm going to talk about her in a second. And Joshua 24:15 says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm trying to say. 
I'm not barking for your dollars. She's not. No one is. What I am encouraging you to do is pray and ask the Lord's leading. How will me and my house serve him? Right. What's our cause? So with that said, going back to Shalene Bryant, she's looking at the refrigerator. She sees the picture of these two kids. She gets over there and she asks herself this principal question. This is what happens with $25 a month. For a one-time purchase of $200, I just outfit their mud hut. Right, right. didn't cost me anything. That was Saturday and a pedicure. Mm -hmm. When did lifestyle, when did success become more important? Yeah, in fact, I, I uh, I love the whole premise that she is actually stating there. She's actually talking about the fact that uh, stop being successful at the wrong things. That's, that's one of the titles of one of her articles. Stop being successful at the wrong things. Here's a woman that is actually finding her relational design that she probably didn't realize that she had. That's, that's really <laughs> what it boils down to. Okay, explain that to me. What, what I mean is she's been focused and doing all the typical things that a, a woman would be encouraged to do, go out and be successful, be a CEO, be, a, be this film producer, be this businesswoman. And now all of a sudden, after looking and seeing this two pictures of these orphans that she was supporting on her refrigerator, she goes, wow, I need to go check to see if they're real. And then she checks and finds they're real. This relational component. This she relation- goes to Africa to find out yeah. that this is for real. But it's, it's all because of her relational design gets her to say, man, I've been focusing on the wrong things. I need to be focusing on relationships. I need to be focusing on helping people as it relates to how they fit together and all these other things. Do you think this is a case of God in his graciousness? using where we're at to conform into his image, meaning that we see her growing even more as a Proverbs 31 kind of woman. I would, I would believe that would be the case. If that's, you know, if she is a believer and uh, you, uh, you tend to believe that she is, uh, I would believe that our God is perfect and he's always using every situation in our life to uh, conform us into his image. Let's just make certain that everybody understands what we are actually dealing with here. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Uh, if you want to just be dealing with the women's part, it's Titus chapter 2, verses 1, and then 3 through 5. And what got us onto this... You mean we've been talking about the whole bi- the Bible this whole time, and I didn't know? Yeah, we, we actually are talking about a key component in this particular passage. And let me read the entire passage. Sorry to do this to you. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women... And here's what we're focused on, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, and here's the point, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So somehow related to this whole topic of this woman going off to to Africa, she is getting this message of, I needed to be focused on different things. Maybe I wasn't as focused on my children. It's a possibility. Uh, Maybe I'm focused on all the wrong things, success, lifestyle, even being vain about my appearance by focusing too much on workouts and all these other type of things. I am not focused on the right issues. This particular passage says that a young woman is to be taught by an older woman who knows these things, and one of the key things is to be a homemaker. Now, does that mean that you can't work? I don't think so, but it is very 
very clear that it's mentioning the home, that the home has to be the priority. It has to be the key element that a younger woman is being taught to focus on. So it's not only to be this homemaker, busy at home rather than busy with the lifestyle that we're trying to talk about here. It is also this issue of how do I, how do I make that happen? It's an attitude. It's an attitude that too many women are not taught. They're taught the world's viewpoint, which is success, have a job, have a career, have an aspiration to be something that's worthwhile rather than be a stay-at-home mom. Okay, then let me take something totally out of left field, but I think is directly relevant. Are women supposed to go from being taken care of by their dad to being taken care of by their husbands? And are there children watching this model to learn how to be fathers, to learn how to be wives? I would uh, certainly advocate that women, for the most part, be in a in a dependent mode. And I know that people will hate me saying that. I know that. But that is the design of a woman to be protected, to be taken care of. A woman in her judgment will want to step out and try to take control of things primarily because she hasn't been put in a safe environment. She's been made to feel unsafe. When a man is doing his job, when a man is providing, protecting, and preserving, it gives a woman a greater chance to stay in her design to be dependent. So your statement there, if you have a daughter that is learning and coming up in a family system to be dependent on the father to be dependent upon the family, so to speak, primarily the father. Yes, I think it would be ideal if she maintains her dependence on the father until she gets married. That doesn't mean that she is not to be out working. That means that the father would be the primary person that she would be going to to check with her decisions and her choices. And again, boy, that'll bring in some mail, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm just thinking, and bless God for this woman and her story. You know, there's mm-hmm. a little video clip. There's a YouTube video on her website, and she's given her testimony and so here's a woman who was a Hollywood producer right she's successful she's in Hollywood clearly I think she's a believer and when I'm listening to her story it's interesting that while she's powerful making decisions successful at what she's doing she keeps talking about these discussions she has with her husband that are submission in nature meaning she has the success she has this power she comes home she submits to her husband as God's asking her to do So in that model, she then turns around and says, but when did lifestyle success, comfort become more important? Yeah, and that is the the problem that too many women end up facing. And too often, we men, we husbands, create the problem for our wives because we are focused on a lifestyle and therefore we're both saying, oh, we need more money. We need more money. We need you to go to work instead of spending time with the kids. Okay. Well, that was going to be my question to you. Can a spouse or a partner cause their partner to operate outside of their design? Absolutely. And Either judge- by abdicating or forcing. Yeah, absolutely. And the judgments are the reason that happens. The, the judgment that a man actually participates in the woman's judgment is when he is 
ruling over her. And again, that word rule is a bad word. It means to use and abuse. When a man is participating in the woman's judgment, he is probably abdicating his leadership in the right form and actually pushing her into an unsafe place. And therefore, she wants to be away from him and wants to control him in order to make certain that she doesn't get hurt in some form or fashion. Okay. In this segment, we've talked a lot about design. We've talked about judgments. If I go to the website, great relationships.com, grnumeratelationships.com. What chapters do I need to be looking at to understand this design and judgment and how it's affecting me now? The designs would be in chapter two, where you can see the design of man, design of woman, and the uh, image of God. And in chapter three, you get to see real men, real woman. That's where we are right now. The judgments is in chapter four. So it's real critical what, in fact, Shalene has said and the question that she's asking, but more importantly, that we understand our design, our judgments. Mm -hmm. As I hear you say all the time, our who said so, this fundamental question. Mm, Absolutely. Okay, again, the website, greatrelationships.com. That's gr numeral eight relationships.com. You can email us at info at greatrelationships.com. Or if you'd rather send snail mail, you know what? We appreciate it. It's Great Relationships, Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes from God's Word for great relationships. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Romans 12.10 Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. operate in our design encourages. Well, the way that you word both of those questions is cause. Yes, you can influence somebody, but ultimately it's their choice. But most people don't think about it that way. (laughs) No, you made me do it. Not that I chose to do it. I'm a victim, darn it. Yeah, and, and most people, yes, that's true. What we will do, we will either influence somebody to bad behavior or good behavior, but it's still their choice. A man and a woman can also influence 
their their spouse or another person to better behavior. Also, for instance, we talked at at length, I hope, uh, about how a real man, if he's easy to respect, that's influencing his wife or other people to good things. For instance, if a man is easy to respect, that helps and makes it easier on his wife for her to respect him. And that's one of the key things that she's being asked to do by God. Aren't I asked to do that in the Bible? Well, you mean as far as a man? Absolutely. It's yeah, right there. It's, it's right there in Titus chapter two, again, <laughs> verses one through eight, when we're talking about real men. But yes, you can influence people. You can so-called cause them to good or bad behavior, either direction. Absolutely true. What am I supposed to do with this? Because I hear this, you're talking to me, it makes sense. And somehow it's not present in my life. Well, it's, it comes down to the very thing that you said a little earlier. Who is your who said so? If your who said so is yourself and or the world, then you're going to end up like taking a look at this passage where it says homemaker, and I'm speaking to women here, and you're going to go, oh, but that doesn't apply to me. If your who said so is God, you're going to be going, wow, God said this for a reason. I really need to start paying attention to this. Totally depends on your who said so. What are your baseline values? If you don't have clear values, you're going to end up rejecting what God is saying here. And if your values are based on the who said so of God himself, then you're going to start taking these values into your life. If you go to Second Peter chapter 1, you're going to see that values are the second thing after faith in order for your life to be changed. I have this faith, now I need to be looking at virtues, the virtues of Jesus Christ, the values that I need to have in my life in order for my life to be different. If you don't value God's word, if you don't value the things that God is asking you to consider as a woman here, chaste, discreet, pure, to be uh, lovers of your husband, lovers of your children, to be obedient to your husband, those type of things. If you don't value that, you're not going to have a change in your life toward what God, the, the ultimate who said so, is asking of you. I guess if I'm being honest, it would be easy for me to imagine that somebody's listening to us talk and go, well, that's great. I like what you said in Titus 2. I like what you said in First Peter, but it's not relevant to today. It's not culturally relevant. And when I hear myself say that, I seem so far removed from the logical contradiction. Well, not only the logical contradiction, but the whole idea of that just tells me who you who said so is. You who said so is certainly not God's word because God's word is not dependent upon any time or any culture. It transcends time. It transcends cultures. Therefore, what is being stated, what is being stated in God's word is not dependent upon where our culture is now versus where it was. Yes, there are certain things that might be that way, but God's word is eternal. And therefore, what God is asking of a woman and a man in this particular passage to be a real woman, to be a real man, is clearly stated, not dependent on time, it's dependent upon what God wants for you and I right now. Okay, well, I have a note from a woman right here in the studio audience who's saying, can a woman have it all? You can have it all, but it totally depends on your attitude, meaning 
if my attitude is such that I have a desire to want what God wants, he specifically stated that in Psalm 37, 4 and 5, if I have my desires are lining up with God's desires, then I can expect the best. That is what we want to be considering here. Now, would that having it all fit with the world's definition of having it all? No. It would have you would have it all because you have the abundant life, which is far superior to what the world's definition is. You have everything that you need right now. So you as a woman, you as a man can have it all from the right perspective, but not necessarily the world's perspective. So this is not gender specific. It is not gender specific at all. Each one of these things that you're looking at here, when you look at being a homemaker, goes so violently opposed to so many beliefs of people right now that are in the news that are promoting something different than that, this is going to cause a lot of, that's a bunch of malarkey. That's how most people will be listening to this radio show and be uh, thinking about it. That's a bunch of malarkey. But it's God's word that's saying it's not me. But when I talk about having it all, somehow it immediately goes to things, possessions, right. money. And that's a wrong attitude to be thinking about having it all. That's the reason why I explained it in the proper context, meaning abundant life. I'm not explaining having it all like having all the money and all the kids and all this other stuff. That's a very different story. What one thing do you want me to take away? I want you to take away the very thing that we've been trying to talk about. Are you busy at home or are you busy with a lifestyle? Very important distinction. Busy at home or busy with a lifestyle. And what is that lifestyle? What is God asking me to do? This discussion will continue, but right now we thank you until next time. This is Great Relationships, the website grnumeratelationships.com. If you've missed part of the discussion, go there, click on the radio tab. You can listen to the programs that came before. Until next time, thank you and God bless you. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow, I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich Maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Days like this are too good to be true, but great relationships are possible. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.